Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased to be sin. So as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passion, for the will of God. For the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles wish to do, living in sensuality, passion, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless with respect to this, they are surprised when you do not join them in the same blood of debauchery, and they malign you. But they will give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is why the gospel is preached, even to those who are dead, that though judged in the flesh the way people are, they might live in the spirit the way they Father, this morning, as Pastor Alan preaches, would you empower him to your Holy Spirit? Deliver to us the truth from the word. And you allow us to concentrate and reflect on the truth of your word as we live this life of exile in your word. We would do so mindfully and through the lens of scripture and not what culture men would like to do. Pray that you would give us wisdom and humility so that we would be encouraged to do so. In Jesus' name we pray.
only experience, or it can only be suffering if it is severely experienced. I'll leave that for you to weigh in your own conscience as a challenge of the faith of the believers. Is suffering enough? I want to say as we consider movement, I was thinking with a few people the other night and feeling like the world um, as far as culture is moving, culture is helping to find its deepest Or would think it's not 
prudential to do. It's not wise to live this way. That's friction right there. I'm saying, no, specifically something based on Scripture causes these hardships with the values of politics. I'm thinking, what are those things? Explicitly, uh, in, in, in cultural currency, in the values of the age within which we live, that my faith, because I believe certain things about God and man and the world, it causes these hardships in the values of our society. What are those things? In my mind, I thought abortion. You know, we don't speak about it often. And then in other areas, we talk about it all the time. Abortion's death clause is something that is a value in our in mass media over the last couple of years and you see this, this is one of our highest possessions as a people in the West is the right to self-discipline. The ability to stop and say he is he is not you. To say this child gets to live and this child doesn't. And, and who gets the right to die? I do. And you can point out that this is you can't call a fetus in this scenario and a baby in this scenario. It doesn't work like that. It's not a last note. It's yes, it is. Who's that idea? And then we have come around to yes, that is a value that we maintain and hold aggressively to. And, and as Christian folk, we need to consider that and how we must address this issue when we run up against it. And our leverage that we can pull is the issue of voting. Again, what if you're considered a Neanderthal? Or, or you get a smear, you're a one-inch voter. Just because you don't know how to vote on anything else and you don't get all the other complex systems. They have you right where they want you. You're only this. What is this true? How precious is that to you? You, you, you have to think. It's not that I think it unwise. I think it ungodly. So I have to think, then what all I do? You must risk being called a Neanderthal. You must risk being thought ill by your neighbor. Because it's not just simply bad ideas, it's wicked murder. But, but our culture is don't touch that, it's sacred to us. This is what he says. Again, to quote, suffering is a hardship that will recur. It has its weight. Well, then maybe we ought to consider our stance. Right. It will recur whenever Christians are forced. I have to. I'm compelled. By what? By their faith. By the Bible. To oppose cultural values. Widely held in the secular world within which they live. Again, another one that I briefly note for you, and I'll move on, is we have to be free from sensitivity to discipline. Again, more layers of self-discipline. You can decide your ontology and your values. I'm not this, I'm that. But it, you, you can't. It, 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 it's not how it works. Christian, you lay it to your conscience. Americans are not going to be 
Why would I say that? Because the Bible says that God created male and female. And if you believe it is true, I need to say it. Our latest two apostles are the same way. We say, again, Before you. Again, much is coming down the pipe on, on the issue of gender, on the issue of abortion. But what is real is the friction that will cause for your family and friends. That, that's more something you can calculate. Um, so, when you hear that, you say, I, I do want to be faithful to Christ. I do want to be faithful to the Word of God. I do feel huge challenges to do so. The question then becomes, where will I find the perseverance power to be a Christian? Where will I find ability to hear words of exhortation regarding perseverance. You must persevere. Discipline in your life. You need to say no to your appetite. The issue of perseverance and suffering and consequences. Where do you find the ability to be encouraged in your life where it gets tight and tense by your union with Jesus Christ? In His image. Christian life never begins with a performing faith, but with a faith that lasts. Matthew eleven twenty eight. You remember, our Lord says this verse is often quoted again and again and again. But I say it to you this way: again, the Christian life never begins. When you think about your life in the faith, remember it never begins 
with a performance of faith, but with a faith that rests. Matthew eleven twenty eight, our Lord says, Come to me, all who labor and do it. Not come to me, all who perform. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. And what will you do? You know the answer. I will give you rest. You see, if we think that we are redeemed, or, and I don't mean that we must think it theologically, I know you don't. I mean it by way of. If I, if, again, if we pass out a theology quiz and have five questions asked for every year at the end of Sunday, it goes to this morning. And it, the, the question was, just low hanging fruit from your mouth, beautiful, my dear. Are you saved by performance? Everyone would be able to know that. I mean, but it's not, it's low hanging fruit from the mind, but it's not so low hanging fruit. If I said, does your heart ever draw you to tears? Are you ever given over to that fear that you're saved by grace? That's a different question. I think for all of us, we all at some level have that fear. It's a burden that we cannot carry. But you see, if we think that we are saved by our imitation of Christ's suffering, that we have lost the gospel. Such an approach, or say that we think we are, to be saved by performance, such an approach seems egotistical to us. But that Jesus being crucified ever encouraging us, ever encouraging us. You mean Jesus as the overall inspiration. We summarize this kind of mentality of which we'll get to in First Peter's text. I can 
And then as you rejoice over that salvation, you get to then leave it behind and take off on your performance. You see, rather, your performance in your Christian life is still driven by God believing that you're wed to Jesus Christ through your faith. And you don't lose it because your performance is You get to Horton makes this comment. I think it's very helpful here. He says, quote, you need to realize that from the very start, even as Christians, our default setting is that we think we can be saved by works. It's deeply embedded in our hearts. We are legalists, through and through. That's why the gospel simply a power tool, a leverage seeking into a new relationship with Christ? Or is it indeed that which works faith and empowers faith that moves forward? You're never over the gospel. That is why it's key. Look at the format of verse 3 there. Preach the gospel, then baptize. Preach the gospel, then baptize. Preach the gospel, and baptize, and then baptize. Christ also suffered. Now, again, the point of this is, again, gospel and ethics. Because gospel fuels ethics. To be set free is to be set free and to new life. That, that freedom fuels your life. This is how Peter structures the application. Verse 18. For Christ also suffered, once for sin, the righteous for the unrighteous. That he might bring us to God. That's redemption. Then as we talk, verse 21, he goes down through baptism. Now from uh, the gospel to verse 4, or verse 1 of chapter 4. Since therefore Christ suffered. Again, he suffered for the sins of the unrighteous. And since he therefore suffered in the flesh, arm yourself Christian or those to whom Peter has written in the first instance, 
you are saved from your sin. You're a Christian person. Your faith is resting upon that resting place. And you are in union to Him forever. He's birthed you anew and He's empowering you forward. Since He did that, arm your ongoing life with a certain kind of mindset. This in relationship to having been set free. You see, now having been redeemed by Jesus, we then begin to follow after Jesus. And our life is that thing. And to each of us here who confess to be Christian, we must take seriously the call to follow Notice the text very carefully. Since Jesus suffered in the flesh, or since Christ suffered in the flesh, and then again, you can look at his worldly existence and the suffering that brought him to God. Since he then suffered, notice carefully, arm yourselves, each one of you Christians on Lord's Day, in this moment, hear this text, arm yourselves, each of you, with the same way or manner of thinking. Here. You and I, those who claim to be Christians, we are called to arm ourselves with the same mental disposition or resolve that Christ displayed in his earthly life. A mindset, a mentality to brother. A dedicated resolve. Suffering of our Lord, if you look at the text, since Christ therefore suffered in the flesh, the statement in the flesh broadens the suffering of Christ well beyond the moment of the cross. And that's where we typically go, right? And we glory in the suffering of the cross. But his suffering and anguish went well beyond the few moments of the cross. It was in his life of obedience, indeed in his life of suffering, in his death, resurrection, and ascending. There is this, this, this sense throughout the life of Christ in the flesh whereby he experienced suffering. Isaiah captures it this way, a text that you're very familiar with. Isaiah 53 says, He was being despised and rejected by men. Why do I read this to you? Because you're thinking of 1 Peter verse 1. You can have this same mindset. The same measure of resolve. What kind of mindset? The mindset of Christ, who also suffered. How badly did he suffer? He was despised, Isaiah says. He was rejected by men. Many of us cannot say 
look at what we see in the mindset of Christ in suffering. They called you, yes, you risk being universally acceptable as this. He said. Again, for Christ, he was a man of sorrow, the text says, and he was acquainted with what in his earthly lifetime? With you. And as one from whom men hid their faces, he was despised. And then Isaiah concludes, and we esteemed him less. And Peter says, since therefore Christ lived in this manner, since Christ suffered in his earthly vessel, Christian, arm yourself with the same manner of disposition. And then we see as Peter describes that this mental and spiritual resolve that we as God's people are to cultivate and to desire to imitate and to follow after. This measure of mental and spiritual resolve testifies to something about you. Notice what he says. For, he gives you the ground to explain the idea of suffering. If you arm yourself with the same way of thinking, there will be consequences. Again, from Isaiah 63, our Lord For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. Now, some of the syntax and the grammar can be tricky there in the best renderings of English translation. The point of the text is not to say that I think perfection, where you've resisted long enough, you've earned your merit badge, therefore you're not temptation is tempted any longer. Thank you. 
look at it beginning in verse 3. Well, I'll jump in verse 2, and you notice how they're broadly described as being um, So, you notice uh, that, that whoever has suffered any flesh has seen from sin. It, that, that, that's the consequence from not sinning, is the suffering that is bringing into his life. But you notice verse 2 clarifies, so as to live the rest of the time in the flesh. This is the individual's decision. This is the Christian decision. No longer for us. What is the person who's suffering living for? The rule of God. They're seeking solace in simple proof of sin. Because they can see beyond the simple proof of destruction, the destructive nature of sin. Look at the lyrics. They'd rather look to the will of God. Verse 3, we see time that is past. This is the person's life. Faith is 
choice of either taking the path of least resistance, and we know that you, again, you can look at lascivious uh, living or giving yourself over to your own passion of the flesh in verse 3 and verse 4, we know that's the path of least resistance. That is, that is going along with the values, norms, and practices acceptable and accepted by your societal members, or 